Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey guys, Todd Helms here with another episode of the Wingman Podcast. And as you can see, today I am solo, and uh, that's on purpose. I wanted to do some some reflection on... Hondo's training with Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy, kind of where we are at, give you an update about things, and it's just some reflection on, well, like I said, dog training, and then some reflection on waterfowling ethics, I guess you could say. But uh, gonna pay some, gonna pay some bills here, uh, real quick. This episode's brought to you by Sitka Gear. And we, guys, I'm going to be honest, we, we love our Sitka gear. Um, it has it has kind of made how we view hunting in extreme conditions uh, change that dramatically. You know, the days when growing up when we wore wool <clears throat> or army surplus or basically our, our deer hunting clothes when it was cold in extreme conditions uh, or our work clothes or things like that. Those days are gone, and I got to say we are a lot more comfortable in the field because of Sitka. You know, there are a couple of pieces that come to mind when I'm talking extreme conditions. You know, out here in Wyoming, a lot of times we don't are we don't get good bird numbers until the weather is really bad. And what I mean by bad is it's below zero, and you know you factor in some wind chill. And there's a lot of hunts we do every year where we're laying in, in layout blinds or in A-frames or hunkered down by the side of a river, and it, those temperatures are, are brutal. And you'll be out there for, you know, the better part of the day. You need good gear, and Sitka does that. Their Boreal series is probably uh, the Boreal pants, uh, bib pants, and the Boreal jacket are two of my favorite pieces. I do wear that Boreal jacket over waders a lot. Um, in the wintertime. And you guys that have seen the videos know that I'm a pretty warm-blooded guy. So it's got to be pretty cold for me to don that boreal jacket. But when I need it, it's there. Um, I had a little incident a couple years ago where, two years ago, where I was trying to trying to get a goose out of the river, and I did not have my dog that day. And I was trying to get a goose out of the river, and I fell in, went literally over my head, and I was soaking wet. And I went back to the blind. The geese were flying real good. And I had the boreal with me, and I put it on immediately and let my body, let my clothing, my layers with the, with the Delta Zip Waiter and the right base, Sitka base layers, I let those kind of do their job. And I hunted for another three or four hours. And I'm not saying that you, that everybody should do that, could do that, but I was comfortable. And I got home. I remember I got home and took everything off in my in my shop. And the water that came out of my waders was literally like body temperature water. Everything was steaming. So that's a testament to Sitka gear in and of itself. Uh, we are doing, we do have an upcoming video review or gear review that will be on our YouTube channel. We'll put it on our social media as well, where we will be breaking down the Sitka Boreal system. Um, I'm stoked for that because, like I said, that's one of my favorite pieces. So if you're looking for extreme conditions gear, or maybe not extreme conditions gear. The Sitka's got you covered in every possible 
waterfall hunting scenario. But if you're looking for that extreme conditions equipment, man, the Boreal Series is pretty tough to beat. You need to take a look at it. So anyway, thank you, Sitka Gear, for sponsoring this episode of the Wingman Podcast. That said, here we go. Um, I'm on week seven with Hondo, and he is about four months old now. My wife could tell you exact date when he was born and his exact age, but I'm on week seven with the training. I've had some issues with Hondo um, and diarrhea and illness. Early on in the training, uh, they talk about using for clicker treat association to get the dog started on that. You're supposed to cut up hot dogs, and that's what that's what Cornerstone Gun Dog uh, Academy suggests because it's that really taps into a higher level of the food drive and helps the dog with their clicker treat association. What the program doesn't tell you is, and I and I got this from straight talk with Barton Ramsey actually. Uh, I just asked him, I was like, dude, should I still be using hot dogs? And I was, I don't know, a couple weeks into the program, and man, Hondo just had explosive, explosive stools, explosive diarrhea. And I was starting to starting to suspect the hot dogs. And I t- asked Barton about it, and he said, yes, get don't use the hot dogs anymore. So uh, just a tip for you, if you do start with the Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy 52+, the hot dogs are, they're going to get your, your puppy dialed in with the clicker treat association very quickly and it helped with place hondo learned hondo picked up place and clicker treat association incredibly fast with uh the hot dogs but i should have weaned him off of the hot dogs part of that was common sense on my part i i i kind of suspected that the hot dogs were the culprit and i didn't take the initiative to just back him down on those when I should have. Um, but Barton straightened me out. Thank you, Barton. I appreciate that. And Hondo firmed right up, and we jumped right back into training. But then somewhere between about the time I was supposed to transition into week seven, which I'll get into that, what that entails here in a second, Hondo and Mackinac got sick. Um, they both got sick. And coming, come to find out, the vet that I take Hondo to told me that they weren't the only ones that were suffering from those um, conditions. They had the, the diarrhea returned, but it, it wasn't just soft stool like it was with the hot dogs. This was like explosive liquid diarrhea. Like there wasn't even anything to pick up. It was just liquid and it kept him hydrated. After a couple, after about a day and a half of it, I would, I, we took him to the vet, and Mackinac developed the same things. Mackinac was not vomiting, but Hondo was, and so I was really worried that they picked up a bug someplace. You know, we spend a lot of time fishing this time of year, and the dogs are in the water. Uh, puppies are, you know, notorious for eating stuff they're not supposed to, ingesting, you know, vegetation or whatever. And you do keep an eye on them. It's not like I let them run wild, but. You know, they, they just eat stuff. That's what puppies do. And especially Labradors, they, they put everything in their mouth. Like they, they experience the entire world through their mouth. They're a retriever. That's what they do. And I was worried that Hondo had picked something up um, doing that. And then when Mackinac developed the symptoms, I thought, ooh, man, there's this is a bug. 
And I wasn't sure if it was Giardia from the river. I wasn't sure if it was Cryptosporidium. I, I didn't know, but I just assumed it was some kind of a bug. So we took what kind of a stool sample we could gather in, took both dogs to the vet, and the vet said, wow, this is actually, this has been going around. Um, Ike Eastman, uh, the owner of Eastman's Hunting Journals and our our parent company here at Wingman, his Vigila had the same issues, vomiting and diarrhea and had, yeah, same stuff going on. I don't know what it was, but the point of what I'm saying is that I was a, I was supposed to be training into week seven. And along with the vomiting and the diarrhea was lethargy. And both both dogs, you know, I'm not training Mac anymore. But I'm, he's still part of what we do. But both dogs were incredibly lethargic. Hondo's usually bouncing off the walls and full of energy and ready to go. And he, man, he didn't really want to eat, didn't have a lot of food drive. And we changed up his diet uh, according to what our vet said. Vet told us to get him on chicken and rice. We backed him off his dry food. And uh, you can mix in a little bit of canned pumpkin as well. And that those those things along with the, the change in diet and the the medication seem to help. Um, I guess word of the wise there, if you suspect something's wrong with your dog, don't wait. Take them to the vet. Get it figured out. I'm glad I did because we were actually able to get things cleared up within a couple of days. And both dogs are back on it now and they're they're great and we have resumed training but i pressed i pressed pause on week seven on the training you know i i I was thinking about well we'll just do little bits you know here and there here and there and i still had some things that i wasn't real firm on honda wasn't where i wanted him to be from week six like uh introduction to whistle and sitting at heel on a single whistle a single whistle toot and we weren't quite where I wanted him to be anyway. So I pressed pause. I wanted to wait for the dog for Hondo to start feeling better so he could actually focus on his training and I wasn't doing any damage to him. Um, it was the right call. It was the right call. I'm glad that I did that. Don't get so wrapped up in your training with with your dog and I don't care what program you're using if you're using Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy or you're using something else whether it's a book or a DVD or YouTube series it doesn't matter if it's on a schedule don't get so wrapped up in that schedule that you or you're not using common sense you know I I could have easily said oh I'm getting behind I'm getting behind and forced Hondo into week 7 when he's not feeling good, you know, when you're, he's lethargic, he's got diarrhea, uh, vomiting a little bit. And I was like, man, he's, that's just, nah, we're going to, we're going to press pause. We're going to chill on this. You have to remember that this is a marathon to trading a dog is a marathon, not a sprint. And you, if you, you know, if you have to, if you have to sit, have to have to sit out a few days first for whatever reasons in the long run that's probably not in the long run that's actually probably going to be a good thing because you're not forcing things the one thing i've learned i've trained i've trained three different labradors now on my own completely and we had labs our whole life growing up but 
I purposely and rigorously trained three Labradors now, two of which turned into high-level gun dogs. Um, one, the first two, Josie and Mackinac, Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy did not exist. I used um, old-school methods, Richard Walters' uh, gun dog books, water dog books, duck dog book. I used those. Um, as Barton says, we've learned a lot um, since those days when Dr. Walters was doing his thing and writing, writing retriever books. Um, those methods still work, but I can just tell having transitioned from those books, which are on a schedule, a weekly schedule as well, um, to Cornerstone 52 plus, there's a lot more, there's a deeper understanding of canine psychology um, and canine development, physiological and psychological development. And uh, it's going extremely well. I, I, I like the process. There's a lot more positive reinforcement with Cornerstone than there was with the old school methods. And I'm not going to tell you that I regret using the old school methods because I don't. What I do regret is there were times when I was, I was too hard-headed. And I did not realize that my dogs, I was trying to push my dogs, especially Mackinac. Mackinac, the dog that the old seasoned veteran that you guys see on the videos now in the last couple of years, uh, it took a while for him to get there. His first year, he was deadly on pheasants in the uplands. His first year on waterfowl was a different story. Um, he struggled a little bit. He still retrieved birds, and we didn't lose hardly anything, but there was a lot more teamwork involved with it, which is fine. But he's not, by year, it took him about four years to get hunting ducks on big western water out here, big western rivers, just dialed. And now, you know, by between his year four and year seven, he was a machine. Last year, he was still great. Just getting a little age. But, and I, that's training using those books. Um, but I pushed things with Mac, and I pushed too hard, I think, at times when he was younger, especially with water. And that's one of the things that I'm noticing using Cornerstone 52+. Plus, Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy 52 plus is that I'm not pushing as hard. Um, that said, I'm seeing better results on drills and picking things up. Hondo is his own dog. He's very bright. He loves to work. He's very willing to please. Um, but the positive reinforcement with the clicker and the treat, which I've gone, like I said, the hot dogs lasted for about a week and then it was straight to kibble. And that was per... Per Barton's suggestions, um, but so take a step back to the hot dog thing real quick. Um, that first part of that, use the hot dog, works great, but after you notice strong click-or-treat association, go to kibble. <laughs> Get off the hot dogs. Um, that's what I had to do, and it worked wonders. But back to Cornerstone and not pushing things and doing things on or on the right schedule, just because it says week six or week seven or week eight, and that's where you're on your timeline. That's where you're supposed to be. You have to understand. You have to realize that you're dealing with a dynamic being. You're dealing with a creature. You're dealing with a dog that develops at its own pace. And if you push that pace, 
sometimes you can push a dog right through. In my experience with my first lab, I pushed Josie hard and she was, she responded to that. Um, whether that was because she was a female or because she was that good, I'm not sure. I think it was just a little bit of both personally, but we worked hard and I pushed her hard and it, it showed the dog was phenomenal. She did things that none of my other labs, um, in, since I, when I was a kid and, and Matt, that Mackinac just, she did things that other dogs just don't do and did them kind of on her own, which was pretty amazing. But I think if overall, I think I pushed her too hard. I think I progressed her too quickly. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't, I shouldn't have had her on birds when she was 10 weeks old because I did. And I took her on hunts when she was little and she retrieved a lot of birds before she was even a year old. Um, but a lot of those hunts were pretty small, me and a buddy or me and my dad or me and, you know, one, two dudes, pretty small. I, one of the points that Barton made with in the last podcast that we did where I sat down with him where we were talking was that you can ruin a dog on one of these big field hunts with, you know, six, eight dudes and, you know, everybody's just amped before the hunt. The dog's going to pick up on that, especially a puppy and the gun, all the guns going off. And you got to think those hunts are chaos. It could be chaos for an older dog, let alone a puppy who's just getting into it. And you can, you can create some habits in a dog that you're going to have a hard time training out. And I did that a little bit with Mackinac and I regret it, but we're, we've gone, you know, we moved past it. You don't dwell on it. You just work through it and move past it. I'm trying to avoid those things with Hondo. So what I'm struggling with there is the fine line between saying, okay, I'm on a schedule. I need to follow this schedule, but I also need to know when, to press pause and week seven for me was a time to press pause. My dog's sick. He's not feeling well. And I just needed to step away for a little, little bit. We picked it up last night and lo and behold, he's killing it. One of the things uh, in week seven is teaching recall, uh, getting your dog to come to you with whistle and I have to take Hondo, one of the things I noticed is that I have to take Hondo someplace where he's not been before, so he wants to explore. Because if I just train him in the backyard where I've been doing most of it, he's so focused. When I have that treat bag on my hip, he's so focused on what we're doing that he wants to be at heel the whole time, and he won't leave my side. So I've got to get him out in a park someplace, or someplace safe, where he's not going to run you know, get hit by a car or fall in a hole or something like that or get bit by a rattlesnake. Um, but someplace that he wants to go explore. That's what I discovered last night is I have to do that. So that's on the docket for today, actually, is to take him out of town into a place that's safe, that he can go romp around a little bit, and I can actually work on this. Um, he was not ready for that a week ago. He was sick and he was not doing well and got him back. He's healthy. He's back to his rambunctious puppy self. And so I guess my point to all of this is that 
no matter what training you're following, there is a schedule, there's a routine, and it's important that you stick to those schedules and you stick to those routines. But at the same time, you also need to understand that there's going to be times when you need to slow down and you need to back off of it and reassess. And that's what I'm trying to maintain with Hondo. Um, I'm trying to not make the same mistakes that I've made in the past by pushing dogs too hard, trying to force them into situations they aren't comfortable with or they're not ready for. At the same time, you have to remember that nothing grows in a comfort zone. And you do have to push your dog a little bit, but you have to do it safely. You have to do it in a controlled manner. That's what I'm trying to do with Hondo. Um, Interesting story. You know, Cornerstone at this point, 52 plus, we're working. It's it's mostly control, obedience. Those are those are cornerstones. Those are foundational to everything else we're gonna we're gonna do with Hondo, and so we're working on those things. Some of the things like recall, I've been working with Hondo on recall since day one. I want my dog to come to me when I call him, and I've had him in situations during socialization where he needs to come and. One of the things that was really beneficial was this summer camping in the mountains with him. There were lots of smells. There was wide open space, and he would wander off. And, I mean, never lost, but he would wander, and calling him back was vital. And he he figured it out pretty well, pretty well. Um, having Mackinac there by his side all the time, because Mackinac comes very, very well. He recalls very well. Um, when Mackinac would turn to come, Hondo would be like, oh. And he'd follow Mackinac. That helped. When he got back to me, tons of praise, tons of reinforcement. Uh, it was interesting in the last podcast we did with with Brandon. I'm sorry, with Barton Ramsey. He talked about recall being one of the most frustrating things when a dog won't recall. When your dog doesn't come to you, they're sniffing, they're ignoring you. That's where a lot of guys lose it, myself included. I've made the I've made that mistake. And that's where you see the e-callers come out. That's where you see the um, check cords come out. You see guys lose their temper. The worst thing you can do with a dog when he finally comes to you is to wail on him because he did what you're asking him to do, and now you're beating on him um, or yelling at him or whatever that may be, um, disciplining the dog when they do what you want them to do, it's, you know, we're upset that the dog's not coming. And then when they finally do, it's like you get upset and you punish the dog. (laughs) And if you haven't done that, you must have angel wings because you're better human being than I am. I've, I'm guilty of that guilty of punishing a dog after it comes to me because I was frustrated because it didn't obey me when I wanted it to. That's one of the things with Hondo that, we instilled, I've been working on very, very early, very early. So at week seven, when we're introducing the whistle for recall, Hondo already has that foundation. And so three tweets and I say, Hondo come or come or hear or whatever command you're going to use. He's got it already. And I'm not saying he's perfect, but I'm saying 95% of the time he's, he comes. Um, he does what I ask him to do and he's associated me with fun with positivity, with treats, 
all those good, all those good things. And he comes very well. He also comes to my wife, Grace, extremely well, which was, those things were important to us. And so I guess what I'm driving at there is we're probably jumped the gun a little bit, um, as far as timing goes, but I started a lot of that basic obedience would come sit, stay, uh, some steadiness things where the dog doesn't go through a doorway or a gate before I do. and doesn't go through until I tell him to, um, I started those really early on with Hondo. And so there's a little bit of repetition, I guess, in the cornerstone programming, which is not a bad thing. You know, you're, you can't train some of that stuff enough. Um, but what I found when I started week seven, when Hondo started feeling better is that, Oh, wow. He already knows how to come. Now it's just introducing the whistle. So he associates that well, a couple of times and he's, He's doing it because he's already got come. Um, he's already got sit. You know, when it came down, when it came to sitting at heel, I was already making him sit for his food. He, I was already, you know, you putting my hand up saying sit. And so now, honestly, I, about 70% of the time, I don't even tell him to sit. I just go like this. Sorry. I just put my hand up like this, just put it up and he sits and I'm very happy with that, but I started those things very, very early on. Now, if you're brand new to this, you're, you're dealing with your first dog. Um, some of this stuff is not, is going to be foreign. And so following cornerstone 52 plus to the letter is going to be extremely helpful for me, having trained several dogs, um, and having, and having kind of my own routine, knowing what I would need out of that dog. Um, mixing my stuff that I know isn't going to contradict Cornerstone or impede what I'm trying to do with Cornerstone has been helpful. Um, that said, the the clicker treat, I never did that in the past. That wasn't until Cornerstone, and that has made a world of difference. So some of the simple steps, simple things, working at heel, some of the things that Cornerstone does with working at heel have been extremely helpful to get Hondo dialed in quickly where, where he needs to be. Um, I have noticed that teaching some of the things that I would teach um, down or not down because down like in don't jump on me, but down like in lie down or lay down, um, we're, we're working hard on that. And he's not quite getting it. So we've started to work the clicker and treat into that, where when he lays down, he gets a click and a treat. And that that is a pure product of Cornerstone Gundam Academy 52+, plus, the clicker treat. That's been huge. It's it's helped me with kennel, with you know, with getting him to go in his kennel so I don't have to load him in there. Um, it's getting him to want to bring a bird to me when we, when we're playing, when we're doing fetch or a bumper at first, you know, he wants to run around with it and do all this stuff. And of course we put him in the hallway where he has to bring it back every time. And then you transition to the yard and instead of putting him on a lead or a check cord, I did the clicker treat where if he brought me the bird, you know, out, grab it, come back. He got a click and a treat. And I don't know if that's necessarily correct. But it works, and now he's retrieving just for the love of retrieving. And I get the, I get a bumper out, and he's like, ah! he loves it. 
And that's the whole point. I've, I've gone away from the clicker treat with the retrieving because I don't need it anymore. He is just geeked on the bumper, which is huge. That's what I want. I want him stoked to retrieve. He's a retriever. That said, um, I also have not gotten to the point with where we have live bird or feather or bird introduction in Cornerstone 52+. plus. We're on week seven. We're not there yet. Last week, last weekend, I had the opportunity to get Hondo on some live birds. There were, we were coming back from a day in the mountains, and I ran into a family group of blue grouse on the side of the highway. Um, I got out and kind of herded the birds into the, in, away from the road. They're young juvenile birds, they, and blue grouse are notoriously stupid. Um, didn't flush. I just herded them out away from the road, and then I went and got Hondo, and we went down there. Birds were still there feeding, and just walked him up to him. And this is another, this is another thing where having the experience of two other dogs with very high prey drives, very high bird drive, um, kind of taught me patience because the first time I introduced Josie to birds was over a dead rough grouse and she fetched it up. First one she ever saw trotted over, picked it up. No, not even, not even a big deal. And she was literally fetching birds from then on. Uh, Mackinac's first experience with live birds was a lot like Hondo's. He didn't really know what they were. He hadn't seen them. Um, He'd been around some domestic birds that he wasn't allowed to to mess with. And I tried to limit that interaction because I don't want him to be blah when it comes to birds so i really tried to limit his interaction with domestic birds that he like chickens that he couldn't mess with i didn't he had to learn that later i learned that the hard way with josie she she killed a whole bunch of chickens um and a couple ducks one time that i had to pay for it was pretty expensive anyway hondo and Mackinac's reactions were very similar to live birds both both on grouse, both on, on dusky grouse. We have a lot of those in here in Wyoming in certain areas, and you, especially in the summertime, and you run into them in the mountains quite often. And it's they're kind of tailor-made for puppies because they don't fly. Uh, if they do fly, they just kind of fly up in a tree a lot of time, and they're pretty naive, which is great for a young dog because the dog can follow them around and look at them, and he can sniff them, and and kind of get the feel for that bird. And that's exactly what Mackinac did the first time he got on him and exactly what Hondo did this time. I got him down there, got him safely away from the road, and we were working away from the road the whole time and just let him investigate. And at first he was, you know, he was really interested in them, but he wasn't sure. He was a little bit scared, just a little unsure. And then by within five, 10 minutes, he was like getting closer, getting closer, getting closer. And then by the time it was done, he was trying to, he was trying to catch them. He was chasing them around and they'd of course fly a little bit and land or fly up in a tree and he was eating it up. And the whole point is that nowhere in the first seven weeks of Cornerstone 52 plus, is it going to tell you to get your dog on live birds? I had the opportunity. It was a controlled scenario that was not chaotic hondo was not in danger the birds were not going to attack him he wasn't going to get hit on the road 
Um, we were in a we were in a spot that I was able to provide him a positive, exciting experience, one on one, just me and him, with bird smell and live birds, and to get him excited about them. And it was it was very positive. It was a very positive interaction. I was I was very pleased with the way that he reacted to the birds. I wasn't really all that surprised that he wasn't just like gung ho, dive in head first. And I don't, I don't want a dog like that. And Barton knew that when he, when he helped me pick this litter that I got Hondo out of, he knew I wanted a dog that had some, had some, a brain that wasn't going to go jump off a cliff chasing birds, you know, um, that had some self-preservation instinct. And that was, that was there. That was there. I saw that right away with Hondo in other instances as well, but especially with the birds the other night was he wasn't, it was new. It was foreign and he didn't just go head first into it. He kind of, he thought his way into it and kind of thought it through, which I like that. I, I like the fact that he's not just a blunt instrument that I'm going to be taken to the vet to get sewn up or stitched up or medicated up all the time because he's out of control. Um, that was nice to see. And I was really pleased with the way that interaction went. I'm very likely going to introduce Hondo um, a little bit more to birds. We're still not there with with gunfire yet. We have not introduced gunfire. Um, he's been around a lot of loud noises, thunderstorms. No, don't phase him. Fireworks. Don't phase him. He doesn't even really pay attention. Um, banging pots and pans and lighting off firecrackers in the yard when he's eating. Uh, none of that stuff phases him. And so, but I have not shot a shot a gun around him yet, and I'm not I'm not quite there. Um, not where I want to be quite yet with that. And so I'm going to wait. I'm going to be cautious instead of rushing headlong into a situation. I'm going to wait on that one. Uh, I don't know. I wish I, I haven't done my homework uh, with 52 plus. I don't know if 52 plus will, it will talk about have a introduction to gunfire segment. I won't be surprised if they do, but at this point I have not, I have not gone any farther than week seven. I'm doing this a week at a time. I don't want to know what's coming up because I don't want to fudge things. On the other hand, maybe I should, walk through the entire program so I know a timeline. Um, but I haven't done that yet. And if that's if that's bad on my part, I apologize, but I haven't haven't done that yet. I'm also a dad of three, father of three and a devoted husband, and I try to there's a lot of irons in the fire. And uh sticking to the schedule with Hondo in the evenings, training in the evenings it's about the only time I have. Right now at Eastman's, we work uh, four tens in the summertime. And so I don't have a lot of time when I get home in the evening. Um, I don't have a lot of time to work with the dog before between supper, getting the kids in bed, uh, reading books, being a good dad and training my dog. It's a lot. I don't, I don't watch a lot of Netflix. <laughs> Um, and that's, that's okay. That's okay. The dog is an important part of this, but because of that schedule, I guess I'm making excuses and I shouldn't, 
I have not walked through the entirety of the program. I'm going week by week. And so that's probably why I've already been working on recall. I've already been working on some of those, some of the, some of the commands that uh, are probably yet to come. And I haven't gotten to yet. And definitely live bird introduction. I'm probably earlier than the program would want me to be, but um, I'm not going headlong into it. I'm not going crazy with it. I just want to get Hondo on some live birds. I have a philosophy that, you know, it takes birds to make a bird dog. And Hondo, the ultimate goal for him is to be a versatile gun dog. He's not just going to hunt to retrieve um, waterfowl. He's going to retrieve upland birds. He's going to hunt upland birds and flush upland birds. That was the whole point with the grouse is to get him interested in birds and get him wanting to catch them, wanting to flush them. And then we can work from there as well. So like I said, I, Barton, you can slap my hand for some of this stuff if you, if you feel like it or, or I would, or let me know, um, your thoughts on some of this stuff on where I am with it. But I'm again, 52 plus Cornerstone Gun Academy 52 plus has been a phenomenal is a phenomenal training tool, but it is just that it's a tool. It's a guide. And there are things having trained, like I said, two other dogs to high levels. There's things that worked very, very well for me that I'm, I'm still instituting. I'm still doing, um, there's things that I did wrong that I'm using 52 plus to correct. And thank God I have it because there's things the clicker treat association, for example, has made my life and my wife's life so much easier when it comes to crate training, kennel training, sit, uh, down, stay, just steadiness in general, having it's the clicker and treat has allowed us to have a lot more control over Hondo. And that has been a blessing. So thank you, Barton. Thank you, Josh Parvin for working through that and, and showing us how to do all that stuff. It's, it's a phenomenal tool. And if you guys are, especially if you're an inexperienced dog trainer or you're looking at, you're getting your first dog and you don't really have a clue on where to start, man, you need 50, you need Cornerstone Gun Dog Academy. That 52 plus program has been perfect. Um, Lots of great resources in there for you. It's just been it's been awesome. Like I said, I've I've deviated a little bit um, because I've I'm not a rookie dog trainer. Um, I'm nowhere near the level that Josh and Corey and and Barton are, and a lot of other guys out there. But I've I've trained a couple really good really good dogs and had some successes that I want to duplicate. So I'm kind of doing that. Um, anyway. That's where I'm at with the training. I probably seem like I've rambled a little bit, but uh, we're running up on a forty on forty minutes of just me talking. And if you're still listening, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got something valuable out of this. And I'm going to be doing a few more of these just because I want to kind of hash through and talk through where I'm at in the training process, where I'm at in the fall. I know I said I was going to talk about some waterfall hunting ethics at the beginning of this, 
And we didn't get to that one. I think I'm going to save that for another time because that's something that uh, that's near and dear to my heart. And the older I get, the more I realize that uh, if we don't have some ethics in what we're doing, it's just, things are just a free-for-all. And we're making ourselves look bad when we don't need to. So anyway, be waiting for that one to come up. Um, I do have some great guests lined up as well in the future. I'm going to sit down with Barton Ramsey again here for another update pretty quick. But, um, yeah, let in the comments down here, leave us a comment. Give us some feedback on what else you want to hear, hear me blab on about and uh, what other guests you want to see. Uh, we did just drop, previous to this, we just dropped a uh, podcast with Dale Bordelon of Bayou Beast Calls. And if you haven't ever listened to Mr. Bordelon stories, you need to check out that podcast. The man is a treasure of waterfall knowledge, waterfall his history and tradition, and, man, the stories he's got that have been passed down to him from the old, the old, old timers are incredible. They're absolutely incredible stories. So make sure you listen to that one and let it, leave us a comment. Let us know what other guests, who else you want to see on the podcast, and we'll see if we can line it up. Anyway, thanks for joining us, and until next time. We'll see you in the field.